Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Collision Cast. Uh, I, today, I have with me one of our main balancing experts, Tyler. Uh, he and I are going to be talking about him, his position here at the company, and what he does, um, a little bit of his background, and what he's going to be doing here in the future. Uh, so go ahead, Tyler, introduce yourself, please. Hey, everyone. This is Tyler. Like Andrew just said, I am one of the balancing experts, as you would say. Um, Background-wise, uh, let's see. I'm here with experience mostly. I have played competitive card games my whole life, pretty much, um, starting from Yu-Gi-Oh! down to Pokemon, Hearthstone, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, Naruto, etc. Like, um, main main card games, big-time card games. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! I've hit regional tournaments. I went to a regional level, um, YCS level. Um, Duel Links, I've hit top-ranked. Hearthstone, I hit top-ranked. Um, I went to a Worlds in Pokemon. Like, the list goes on. So I do bring a vast knowledge to the team, which is, in my opinion, really good. Thank yeah. you for having me. <laughs> no, um, I, I, yeah, you're, you're very experienced. You're very good. Um, you, put, you picked up Collision Gate very quickly. You offered a lot of uh, advice very quickly. Um, and I'm very happy that we, we became friends and I now have a chance to work with you on this. Um, you, you're invaluable is the best way I have, like I've said that about basically everyone yeah. who's on the podcast, but, uh, all of you are basically invaluable because you have a skill that's one really hard to find Agreed. and hyper specific because how many people do you know that? know enough about card games themselves to say whether or not a mechanic is balanced. Uh, well, that aren't making YouTube videos, probably. Okay, I was about to say, I was like, uh, well, there's a few, but no. Um, personally, I don't know anybody. Um, there's a couple people that I know that played competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! with me, but that's all they played. So, at a competitive standpoint, like, yeah, they'd have it, but they don't have that knowledge from multiple card games and games that revolve cards and strategy so not many yeah because um you're very good at finding something that works within a game and then running it but your main thing is that you don't do that you like to you like to be like okay this is a fun little strategy let me see how far i can push this and how far i can go with this yeah i like finding the little tricks in the text to make sure that um combos can be spammed i really enjoy finding that kind of stuff and since i'm a part of this team i don't want our game to have those little into windows pretty much that let you abuse the mechanic so yeah i think it's safe to say that you can't really abuse mechanics in collision gate at this point we've put a we've put a lot of effort into this we've put a lot of time into playing the game you've put a lot of time personally into just looking at things and how they interact together I, th I think at this point, uh, the full game, not even what we're going to produce for the demo, is so well balanced, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, anytime I found a little neat little thing in the game, I brought it to your attention, even though I wanted to try to play it against you guys. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And I'm like, maybe I should let them know about this because it does seem a little unfair. Like, if I was in the opponent's seat, that's what I try to do. I try to put myself in the opposite seat. Like, if this is happening to me, am I going to have fun with the game? And the answer is no. Like, I don't want people to be able to just have full control of board presence and I'm literally there while they play the game and I'm watching. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to put in my shoes. All the decks that I built with Collision Gate that were had an unfair advantage because we try to keep it for, like, a balanced, like, a two-for-one kind of scenario. Yeah. So you don't want too much um, positive... Um, plays in a turn that's going to put your opponent at a severe disadvantage to where there's no comeback. That just definitely eliminates the fact of what Collision Gate is trying to be. Yeah, we, we've done our best to make it almost impossible to clear the game in one turn. Yeah, you'd have to summon the, you'd have to play the most powerful cards in the game all at once, and that's almost impossible. Um, and there are definitely strategies that are more powerful than others, but I mean, what car, what game? in general doesn't have that um and the plans are to take those strategies and, and prop them up eventually and and move on from there because how i want our lore to work is essentially we we create something new 
we uh, give it our attention and we're like, okay, this is, we give it time for people to be like, this is what we like, this is what we don't like. And then the things that people are like, oh, we like this, but it's not very strong. We definitely going to go back and give those things support to make them strong and vice versa. Things that aren't very strong, we're just, we're just going to up their lore and be like, okay, this is why they're so strong. This is what happened when they interacted with these people. Because our, our world evolves as time goes on, and it also responds to not only the players, but ourselves. So um, that'll kind of get into what uh, what you're doing now, which is, um, or what you're going to be doing now, because we yes. just, um, <clears throat> basically item and character descriptions, um, whether they be short or long, not as long as the descriptions that we have so far, obviously. But um, this way, if you look up a card on on Google and you want to know what it does when you're playing Collision Gate in the future, you'll be able to, to look at what it does, you'll be able to see some lore about it, and you'll be able to, um, to get a description of, of, of what's going on with it. And then as images get finished, those will also get filled in too. So we're, we're basically making an encyclopedia, but for Collision Gate. And that will give people more or less a vision of what's to come and soon we'll also be recording some gameplay so that way people can understand from a first player perspective how how the game's played um how the flow of the game works all that kind of stuff since our basically our goal at this point is make the game finished show people why it should exist and get people to want to be involved with getting it yeah, go ahead. All right, yeah, so to touch base on that, um, I feel like the lore is a very good idea for the people that are really into looking past the card game and just trying to get to an, a deeper understanding of yeah. the universe. Yeah. So, like, storytelling in a card game is always very, very interesting because there's always going to be those people out there that are wanting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So the, I feel like this is going to be that little bit that is going to drive people to want to explore more of the archetypes that we bring out, more of the collision gate world in a whole because mm-hmm. we've developed something limitless. Yeah. So In scale. Limitless in scale. In scale. Yes. So, yeah, um, it's going to be a very fun thing to do. Um I enjoy writing, so I really hope that uh, what I produce for you guys is likable. Um, of course, it, it's going to be likable. I, I'll make sure it's likable. So yeah, um, especially like the kind of approach that I want us to take with this. I, I think it. Um, I think I think things will be really good because um, the company is basically set up to where no one has too much power. Uh, whether it be the person doing the art, the person making the card, like everyone is checked by other people. And um, you, you can open your drink. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and the good thing about that, <clears throat> excuse me. The good thing about that is we do that so that way the game, the lore, the idea itself can branch out further. So um, I keep using this this example, but it's the it's the best one that I have. Um, we created an entire zombie deck based around a mechanic uh, where the zombies come back to life because I had the idea that they were just classic zombies. And then we hired Chris to come in and work on the zombies, and he came up with something completely different, because I didn't give them any direction. I literally sent them a card, and I was like, this is what I was thinking. And he was like, okay, thanks. And then he made that. And um, his version of that looked completely different. And I even told him, I was like, gonna be honest, this this isn't what I asked for, but that's not what I asked you to do. I asked you to take what I'm giving you and make something. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn them into spore creatures. Um, we're going to give them this, all, this whole new backstory. And because of that, we have we have a shelved mechanic. Like we have an entire thing that can be added to the game later. And we added an entire other different mechanic, the infection mechanic. And I think that's the best way to do this because we have to be fluid as a card game company. Um, and we have to use that fluidity to come up with as many things as many ideas as possible we have to put them through rigorous testing and then we got to bring them to the market and see how they respond and then based on how they respond 
is the other aspect of things because like since we have an evolving lore we can respond to that lore with more lore so we have a competitive season where like the dragons take over and we can have the dragons be involved with the knights because the knights were the secondary deck so there's a whole story where the knights and the dragons fought each other and there was this great battle and it disrupted the balance so in order to try and respond to those people to the knights and the dragons the fairies and the other world and all the all the other creatures that are within collision decided to like up their game and work on a secret weapon yeah i feel like that alone opens up so many doors for us because if we can expand the lore that's also kind of giving decks buffs to come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's like okay so dragons are tier one yeah so what deck is going to be coming up to the dragons to defeat them and you mentioned the warriors so Dra- or knights knights you're still thinking uh, yeah see it's a master master duel and duel yeah master. all this stuff man like hearthstone everything i just recently started playing hearthstone i told you yeah. so like it's it's a lot of text so knights my apologies so dragons and knights and so what could we do to make the knights more viable but not too viable to where every other deck is squashed by their mechanics so it's a lot of balancing that's why we're here um so things like that won't happen because playing Yu-Gi-Oh for 10 plus years that always happened and it wasn't fun because it got to the point where you had to spend a lot of money to get the top deck Mm -hmm. and in collision gate we're trying to avoid people having to spend so much money in getting a top deck because i we're making it to where all the decks are viable equally Mm -hmm. i gotcha yeah that's exactly the way that i feel i i want to make it to where whenever someone is playing this game whether it be for a lore perspective or they like to look at the cool art, or they like to see how different cards work together. Whatever whatever their, their point is for playing Collision Gate, I want them to be able to find it. Because that's the thing. Like, card games are about... Card game is a niche full of niches. So, like, not a lot of people play card games. I mean, more people do now than a couple of years ago, but still because not. Because of um, COVID, yeah. Yeah, thanks, COVID. Um... Card games are more popular now, but they're still not super popular. They're like they're not on the scale of like RPGs. And because like, you got to think, card games were really big person to person. Like yeah. COVID hit, and then it got all digital. Yeah. And like card games are starting to become more in person. Like Pokemon TCGs just started doing in person tournaments again. Yeah. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh started a couple months ago. Yeah. Like I'm not sure about Magic or not, but like all these card games that were real big hitters in the competitive scene went hiatus because of covid and they went straight to the to their digital copy and duel links isn't the same game as regular Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah so it was really hard to do like tournaments or locals or anything like that so it's like why do i have the physical copy of the cards when i can't use them yeah so like it's just with COVID happening, it kind of made card games bigger, but it also took away from them as well, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. It does make sense. Um, which is why I'm so excited for this card game, because I feel like it's coming out in the right amount of time where people can enjoy it in person or yeah. over digital. Yeah, because um, you you were you got involved... Were you, were you still... Were you involved when I was putting them on note cards still? No. Okay. Um, so, do you remember what, what point I was at when, when I asked you to, to, to look at the game? I remember the day you called me. I was driving, and me and Val were actually talking with you, and you said that your card game... Because remember, sorry to cut myself off, but remember, you wanted me to originally be an artist for you. Yes. You wanted me to draw an archetype, and I was like, sure, I'll do it, but then I soon realized I'm, I can't draw for like a job. Like, I can draw as fun as a hobby, but to make it to where I can draw as a job, it was just very difficult for me to do. So I kind of brushed it off. I'm like, sorry, I can't do it. And then, what, 
like a month or two later, you called me saying the co- company's up and going and you want me to be one of your card balancers. Yeah. I was like, Because yeah. I needed to think more long term at that point. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I have no, nothing I'm doing right now besides day work, like at my job. So I can always squeeze it into my schedule. And, um, I, I keep telling people this, like I started working instantly after you told me because you sent me the decks that you were looking at and I started working on it literally that day. And I, I can't remember exactly what you guys were doing here in your little studio, but, um, the cards were made out on your, um, what you sent me on the drive. Yeah. So I know you had the cards and you were printing them out on paper and I was like okay then you already have that you didn't have them sleeved up or anything because I'm the one to put the Pokemon cards yeah in that was very smart yeah and in the sleeve so there was actually sleeves so it was easier to shuffle the cards in and yeah, make sure that the, they didn't the stick. paper because we, we have a thick paper that we're using um cardstock yeah we, we were using a cardstock paper um but it uh it's still not it doesn't have enough mass uh compared to Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic the Gathering cards so it bends really easily. It um, it's a little too flexible. So they don't really they don't really they don't really uh, shuffle right. So so yeah. So that's where y'all got. That's where you guys were at when I first saw it because I instantly started typing out um, the cards and their text on cardstock, like no picture or anything, just putting the words and sliding it in Pokemon card sleeves with a Pokemon card facing the other way, and I started practicing on my own trying to get the feel of the game without being taught it. I kind of taught it to myself almost. Mm-hmm. And when I actually got here for the first time and I was legitimately hired, um, that's when we started playing and the questions I had were answered, which made so much more sense to the game. And it was just so much fun. We played the game for how many hours that day? I like, think it was like nine hours total. Oh, it was it was crazy. And I was like, man, this game is legit fun. I was like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! was fun too, but like, you only could do that for a little bit of time. But this game is like, we just play game after game because these games, like, they don't last that many turns. You know, the turn count's what, most seven? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, I like to to say it's between four and seven still. Yeah. Um, But I I would need other people to be playing to really know for sure. Uh, I would say that the game's between four and seven turns though. Yes. So it's like you go in, you have fun with your strategy. If your opponent gets the best of you, that's fine. Next game won't take that long either. So it's not like Yu-Gi-Oh going on 30 minutes per match. That's if, like, depending on what you're going against, if it's a close game or not. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where you guys were in, like, the company-wise when I first started. And um, you guys gave me the projects and... I looked into it and brought it to y'all's attention, seeing what y'all think. Um, and then we were here, and the balancing is pretty much it's pretty much pretty, pretty much, much as, high, as good as it's gonna get. Uh, at this point, I don't. I think at this point, if there's anything that needs to be balanced further, it's based on either complete decks having. But you've already worked on that too. Yeah. Either complete decks having combos that we simply don't have an answer for at the moment. Yeah, either an answer for or um, that we weren't creative enough to come with on our uh, come up with on our own, which is the main reason that I want to do the technical demo where we have the, the couple of images per card and we send it out to as many people that review games as possible. And um, I'm hoping with that done, people will be able to, to to tell us things that we might have missed. And that'll give us one last chance to get some balancing done. Because when it comes to changing the card text, that's not very difficult um, if we do it right before the launch so the whole idea is to send out that technical demo get reviews out and then start on the next phase of things which would be getting the kickstarter done having the digital demo out crypto stuff that you're not really involved with oh, yeah yeah uh so ty- so for those wondering why is not why is tyler not in the um the telegram chat why is tyler not on the social media Tyler, Ty, this, this, that's not something that Tyler is particularly interested in. He he understands what's going on. He understands what cryptocurrency is, but he doesn't really want to be involved with that. He's purely here to work on the game. This is what he enjoys doing. This is what he's passionate about, and he enjoys playing the game. So, I uh, I want to make it to where the game's enjoyable by everybody. We're being told to pause. 
by you, Brandon. You are telling us to pause. <laughs> yeah, because I agree. Like you, you can't you can't make the game work for everyone, but you can make everyone that uh, that wants to put the time in enjoy it. And we definitely have that. We don't even have to really conf- um, consult other people to to really know that at this point, because so many people have played the game that are serious about card games that it kind of just makes sense that the more casual fan would like it and the more casual fans that we've had look at it at this point do like the game people that are invested that are in their 50s uh, have played the game and enjoy it and are interested in playing it more people in their 40s people in their 30s so is it going to be a game for everyone no obviously not not every game is for everybody and gaming's not for everybody uh especially not card gaming so um Having a game that can be hyper-competitive while also being hyper-casual at the same time is my goal. And I think we've gotten pretty close at this point. And uh, I think we can continue to go that direction if we continue to, to, to move forward. The whole idea is I just don't want to end up like um, Konami or um, Pokemon Company. Or Pokemon. Because uh, the, their whole thing is we have the new shiny bright thing. Come buy it. I don't want that to be our motto. I don't want that to be our business model. I don't want that to be um, how we how we make money. I want us to make money because we make good content and people want to consume that content. And I want the people that don't necessarily have enough money to to play all the time and and spend a lot of money on the game. Um, I want them to be able to enjoy it for a long period of time before they they're like, okay, yeah, now I have to put some more money into the game. Because unfortunately, it'll never be possible for us to be like, okay, the first deck that we ever made is just as playable as the newest deck we've ever made. Because one, that's not fun. It's 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 interesting. It's an it's an idea that we could go with, but <clears throat> it's not what I want to do. I do want there to be power creep, but I want it to be to be held very well in regard. I want us to keep it in mind every step of the way, and you've definitely been a huge part of that. Yeah, like, definitely. Um, to add to that, it's like, say I'm not part of this, and I bought a zombie deck, and the zombie deck's going to be good, just as good as any other deck coming out, so what drives me to purchase any kind of new content, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's like there are people out there that they start with a deck and they play it for a long time. Me, for instance, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! and I played the same deck for the longest time because I just enjoyed it so much. Um, But it's to the point where it's like, yeah, I have the zombie deck. It's good. It's still competitively viable, but it'd be nice for the people to, like, want new content, you know? Yeah. Oh, that deck looks really cool. I want to try it. And that's more or less what we're going to do. Make it affordable to the point where, like, it's not a huge dent in people's pockets. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I originally I wanted to release things in like big sets. So, like every year, come out with eight new eight new decks or four new decks, whatever number we went with. And I thought that was a great idea at first, but um, I do think more now. The plan will be release two decks a quarter. So in January, release a deck wait until um, April to release the next one. And doing that will allow us to essentially jumpstart um, production while also having enough time to just like sprinkle things out. Because you gotta think about it this way. Konami is so popular because there are so many people that can put their media in your in your face for them. Yes. So like, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure Konami spends a ton of money on marketing. But in comparison to the amount of free marketing that they get from YouTubers and people and content creators in general um, is well worth far more, I should say. Um, It's far more valuable, too, because if I put a commercial in front of you, I personally am almost turned off by the fact that you're still using a commercial because commercials are kind of outdated. Ads are kind of outdated. The majority of people have an ad blocker. They're not going to see your ad. so And the, they'll just hit the skip button once exactly. it's available to hit skip. Exactly. So um, more or less our quote-unquote claim to fame is finding those YouTubers, finding those content creators that are interested and telling them like, hey, this is our product. 
review our product, give us your honest opinion. And then in the event that they have a genuinely bad opinion, if it's something that we can address without completely disrupting our vision, we do it. And I think, I think that's the way to go. And, um, I think it'll be a really good direction going forward to just continue to do. And, um, with help from the other content or not the content creators, the other uh, cryptocurrency companies that I've met recently, we also have that advantage on that side. So that's the main reason. Uh, wow, that was a weird noise. Uh, that's the main reason I've hired you, which I'm, you and I've talked about. Yeah. I want to put you in a position where when it comes to making Collision Gate, if I give you a team and I need to step away for an extended period of time, I'll come back to something comparable or better than, than my material. Because like most of the game has been created by me at this point. And that's, that's not me bragging. It's not me, that's, not, that's just a fact. Yeah. Um, and you came in and you looked at it and you're like, okay, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And then I, I adjusted it. You offered um, suggestions. We took some of your suggestions. We didn't take some of your suggestions. Yes, business, of course. Business stuff. But um, I, I don't know everything. Exactly. So like I may see things a certain way because of how I think of the situation. And then you all see it a different way. And we just talk about it. We don't argue. We don't really put a lot of debate into it. We just explain both of our sides. And that's what teams do. They don't bash each other for what they think the card game should be or how cards should work. They come to an agreement. Yeah. And that's what we've done. There was a couple times where I was like, I feel like this isn't that good of a mechanic. And y'all explain to me in different ways on how it can work. And I'm like, oh, okay, that does sound pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that, that's basically going to be this, especially because the majority of this occurs between I make something and I bring it to you guys and I'm like, hey, what do you guys think? Or vice versa. You guys make something and then you bring it to me and I'm like, okay, this is what I think. Um, and it, it's it's, it's a, the 50-50 balancing act I'm always talking about. It It works really well. And when it comes to the next stage where you're going to be writing more, um, it's going to work just as well there. Because I, I told you how I want to do it, which gave yeah. that a little bit of a surprise. Um, and I think that between – so if you're thinking about it in layers, our first layer of lore is pretty, is pretty solid. The foundation, the, the world itself that we've created. Um, and it has a lot of balancing potential because you can respond to what's strong realistically. For instance, dragons are doing really well in, in the game. Okay, so the lore is that the dragons are winning the war. So every area in the game comes up with a new creature to, or a new combatant or a new weapon to counter the, the main the main the main um, conqueror. I, I don't know how the main archetype. Sorry, I couldn't think of archetype. Uh, archetype. Yeah. yeah, they they counter the main archetype. So you can create a hyper specific counter in the event that there there is a deck that's just steamlining everything. That's not the way we're gonna go. I might do that on top of what I we are also we're, I might do that on top of what we will typically do, meaning that we'll go ahead and we'll create more of a foundation for those decks that are underperforming. And then potentially nerf the other deck. I would prefer to get to a point where it's always kind of a little bit of both. In the event that something does get out of our way, does something does pull pull ahead of everything else, we can just come out with a support pack that rebalances those cards, puts them all up to that same tier that they were before. And, and then in the event that dragons are still outperforming because they're just that good, we, we institute a nerf. Because I, I want to change card text as little as possible, but I do want it to be available. Because the idea of changing card text is a twofold weapon. Because all cards can be played at their current version. You just have to know what the what the uh, effect is. Yes. And, and it's I want it to remain that way. Pe- many people have argued at me, or sorry, any, many people have debated with me um, on that point, and I wanted to do the, the time frame thing. But um, I can have my cake and eat it too, more or less, because it's still going to be a collector's item in the sense that cards that have been retired can be exchanged for NFTs, and then those NFTs have purpose. So um, you're not really into the crypto thing, but the best way of thinking about it is 
um, our part of our cryptocurrency are tickets to our events. Yes, tickets to our online. I remember events. you speaking to me a little bit about it, touching yeah. base and keeping me in a loop so that I know exactly what we're aiming for. Yeah. Um, so the whole idea would be you you win a tournament, and at the end of the tournament you receive a um, you receive a certificate. You receive a physical certificate that's yours. It has your name on it. Like it, it's you. But then an NFT was created before the tournament even started that said winner of this tournament. Now that NFT is sent from you, the the account that created it directly to you. You are told until you present it to um, the tournament holder at the, the tournament um, entrance at the beginning at the end of the year. If you sell it, it's void. So the whole idea is that you can hold on to this ticket and you can sell it that year if you want to and then somebody else can have an entrance to this tournament. And there's a there's a large cash prize because all of the transactions between people up to that point a percentage of it is going into that prize pot. Yes. So that prize pot continues to get bigger and bigger based on who wants to participate. It also is getting bigger and bigger based on the number of people that are participating in, in tournaments either locally or or otherwise. The whole the pot will continue to get bigger. And they'll be it'll be split up between the different places at the very end. So you have this ticket essentially to a tournament. The tournament takes place online, so you don't have you don't have to spend any more money. You can just okay, here's my ticket. Verify that it's your ticket, which NFTs and cryptocurrency make that basically impossible to fake. And then you play the game. And then let's say you have two tickets. And you don't really care about the ticket's value in money so much as you care about the option to, to play. Well, register twice under the same account using your tickets and put one of them up for um, for keeps, like a pink slip. Okay. So you get two entrances, two different decks, and you get to play the game twice. I like that idea a lot, actually. It's different. Yeah, and, and this is our worldwide tournament. So like, I want there to be physical tournaments uh, set up in local card shops. I don't want to ever really make the jump to. I think if the, I think if we're making a, a purchase of, like a convention center, in the event that we're not a huge AAA team, we're making a mistake. I would rather um, take any time that we're about to make money. That if it can be reintroduced back into the community, or spent through the community, or on our client—I I still don't know the correct word—our consumers, um, I want that to happen. So anytime we make money, if we have enough to pay for everything that we need to pay, everybody's happy. Everybody has um, has their insurance and stuff. When that time comes, and we have extra money at the end, and we're not certain on where it should go. I want it to go right back into our community so that way our community can grow and evolve further based on that. Do you remember the other thing? Because reinvesting like is pretty much the only way to guarantee how guarantee that your business is going to go in the direction that you want it to or in the direction that it can go based on the challenges that you come across. Um, I hope that I hope well, that makes sense. I didn't ramble on for too long. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, so now that we have all that business out of the way. Um, we've been friends for years now. At this point, um, we we met when we were both working at that place <laughs> for for those people. Oh my god. Um, and that was that was the worst i mean being able to meet each other and get on that on um, friendship level is probably the best that came of it um none of us really liked working there that's where a lot of us actually came from and got to know each other so there was some good that came from it yeah um the majority of the people that i've met aside from the employees quote unquote the artists and stuff um they they were longtime friends just like you and it's it's good to have those people involved because I essentially got to find someone who I was like, the way they talk about music, it makes me think that they're, they know a lot. And then to watch them evolve and, um, and push themselves further and now to know, like, okay, 
he's been studying music for this long and he actually knows these things and this is how this sounds and he does good and then same thing with with um <clears throat> uh brandon's editing ability having all of that having all that knowledge is excellent it, it doesn't get better than that it's really nice to to see those people cultivate their skill and become in what incredible professionals in all honesty is the best way of saying it agreed and that's that's gonna be great because the whole the whole thing is right now for most of us this is our first project i say this all the time um so our development potential is is very high the ability for us to continue to get better and eventually make it to where we have those um home run after home run after home run our, our potential for that is very high because um, we, we can make a lot of mistakes and learn from them and take what we learn and push it to the next level. And that's the best part about having friendships built into this company because mistakes are bound to happen. Mm-hmm. And having friends there to pick you up from the mistakes and try to help you out and help you get through the mistakes is better than just having someone that's here for a paycheck. They're not going to care if you fall. They're just caring about whether they're getting paid at the end of the day. Exactly. So, like, everyone here having that connection from long-term friendships is just so beneficial for us as a group, as a community. Yeah. That's starting a community for everybody to enjoy. So, that's always a plus in my book. I think that's the only way to do this. Um, To essentially build a family uh, as we go along. Because... We're, we're at this basically pre-development stage right now and eventually we will we will not be at this pre-development stage eventually we will have success will our projects will be coming out very regularly we'll be handling multiple projects and when we are at that stage it's impossible to do it with the number of people that we have and with the level of expertise that we have um, the more we do the more people we're gonna have to get and the more people we have to get the more we have to learn and grow so the ideal situation would be to essentially perfect, quote unquote perfect, um, our abilities on what we're supposed to be working on. And then once we're well established and firm and we have groups, a group of people that are all like family, that, that essentially, yes, they're being paid to work on the project, but they're texting me asking me like, what can I do? How can I help? What can I change? Like what I've been doing. Yes, yes. exactly. Like the way that all of you have been uh, been doing, in all honesty. You, you all are very responsive. You're all very um, um, open-minded, to... open-minded uh, open to criticism, and, and that's what we needed. Because if we, had, if we had one or two people that couldn't take criticism and couldn't handle um, what was going on and couldn't handle rolling with the punches – then the whole thing collapses and falls apart because the project's so interconnected. And that's where the passion comes in. Yeah. The passion for the project to see it succeed. Yeah. To see this succeed is, it has to be a major priority in whoever we get involved, or at the very least, to see themselves succeed through their hard work. In all honesty, having that as your number one priority and then having the company that you work for being your secondary priority would be the ideal for any company that you work for, any company that you own. So that way you can continuously grow, so that way you become more and more intelligent, you become more and more valuable to the company that you work for, which is something that you definitely do, something that Ashley definitely does, Matt, all of them. Like, they're, they're all great. Like, um, especially, like, when you and I talk about lore and the structure of lore and game design yeah. and... Um, game balance and how th- and how those things work and what those things actually mean um, it, it's important to be able to sit down and be like okay this is what we do for fun <clears throat> and this is what we've learned from what we do for fun and this is how we apply it to what we're going to do and exactly that's a skill that you definitely, definitely because have. that's how we made the learning curve to the game yeah so pinpoint yeah because um, I have kids at home that look at me when I well not look at me but watch me work and they're like we want to learn how to play and just by watching me they pretty much get the gist of how to play and you gotta think they're 13 and 10 so yeah. it it's easy enough to just get up and play it mm-hmm. 
which makes it that much more enjoyable to get up and do because like in the previous podcast, Yu-Gi-Oh has gotten to the point where the learning curve is just way out of whack. It's so hard to get up and start playing it because so much has changed, especially for new players. Mm -hmm. So food for thought. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think um, that's probably our main selling point. We, the entry level is very user-friendly. I, I believe that children from the age of 9, no, may, maybe 10, around that age, could play Collision Gate. Will they necessarily play it properly? No, I don't think so. But then again, when I was 9 and 10 playing Yu-Gi-Oh!, I didn't play it properly. No, I didn't have a problem really. with that. Yeah, exactly. It was very complicated. However, I do think that if you took the rulebook and you put it on your left-hand side and you play with the... the um, playmat that we designed with all of the different indicators on it that help you keep track of things and then you play a game and anytime you have a question you reference one of those two things you you will figure it out within one or two games it might be complicated if you're trying to figure it out at an expert level but that's the thing you don't have to figure it out at an expert level exactly and if, when it comes to the digital version of the game it teaches you how it works and it's not complicated it's just basically chess but your pieces come out of a random deck, and you're, sometimes your pieces, instead of being actual pieces, are different types of moves, and it's in 3D. So there's an elevation mechanic, and you can adjust the strength of your pieces. That's pretty much what the game is. And it's very simple once you break it down to that, and then it becomes more and more complicated based on how well you understand the game. You know, it's, it's funny because it's like the description of the game sounds more complicated than the actual game. Yes. Like one um, that's one thing I it's one thing like I wish I could change because I do think that potentially the idea of a 3D chess has a is a selling point. I do think that are, there's going to be a number of niche people that are like wait a minute, you said 3D chess with cards? All right, let me see how he did this. And then they're going to want to play. Um, but there also is going to be there also is going to be those select individuals that see 3D chess, oh, that sounds complicated. Let me not see what they did. Um, and that's, unfortunately, the the climate we find ourselves in continuously. Um, we're going to... Every action that we attempt to make to set us apart from everyone else um, will narrow our margin of players even further, which is a good thing for the first year, in my opinion, I think I personally think that there's there's a balancing act between working hard and getting success. Where if you work, if you don't work hard enough yet, you don't put in enough hours, you don't do enough work, and then you re receive success, it sours you for everything else. Not for everyone. Not um, for everyone. Yeah. Not for everyone. And. A lot of people that, that work at this company, I definitely would say very firmly, yeah, that's not going to happen to them. However, I don't want to be wrong. So um, the mistakes that I've made have slowed us down. But in all honesty, I'm, I've been continuously happier and happier th with the fact that we've built such a strong foundation of investors before we've moved on to bigger, into bigger um, actions. Because most of us needed time to, to learn a scheduling most of us needed time to clear our schedule to work on to work on the project, and we're just now really in that grind. So, the work that we've put in in forming the idea is really going to take off. And I wish it would have been sooner. I wish I would have gotten on my ball sooner. I wish I could have gotten everybody else on the ball sooner. But our product is going to be all the better for it because you didn't stop studying card games. I didn't stop learning new applications that can be applied to this company. Ashley didn't stop studying art. Neither did any neither did Matt or Chris. So time was of the essence pretty much. Well, it was and it still is. We yes. we still we still need to be hitting the grind um, for a little while longer. Um but the good news is that with all that said and done the, the skills that we've picked up, the abilities that we've picked up along the way are only making us stronger as individuals. And 
us getting stronger as individuals only strengthens the company more because everyone involved wants to be here. I, I told them from the very beginning, this is what my plan is. Um, it most more often than not, I actually sold at me as more of a scam than I actually am because we're not one because I wanted people that were smart enough to see what was going on underneath the surface because objectively safe moon was a scam when when it started when we're talking about cryptocurrency yes um but now it's not it they work very hard they're some of the hardest working people on, on the planet most likely and they're coming up with some great ideas and they're going to to continue to do that they're going to continue to get bigger they're going to continue to hire people that can come up with even bigger and better ideas and that's where we're at i want to be the type of company where even though we look a little rusty a little rustic um again this is our first project yeah so. this is our first project and we can take that and turn it into an advantage because if we're able to get through this rough patch we have shown that we have a completely different skill and that is tenacity and tenacity is the most important thing in business can we continue to work through adversity whether it be personal adversity that gets in our way or business adversity that gets in our way, we can continue to make those steps and move those things forward. With that in mind, we only need to think everything that we do through and ask ourselves every step of the way is, is this fun for me? Would I think that this game is fun? Or would I buy this cryptocurrency? Or would I buy um, this, this product? Would I buy these cards? Putting yourself in the consumer shoes? Yeah. As long as we continue to understand that we have limitations and that meeting those limitations is only an opportunity to break through them, the sky's the limit. Um, something that I struggle with sometimes, it, it's very easy to lose passion in things, um, but it's just being human and getting yourself back onto that position is what makes you a better or worse person than you were yesterday. And I mean in this form of strength. And um, pretty much that's that's how I'm trying to get through this. Uh, every day I try and learn something new that I can apply. And most days I do. Most days I manage to do something for the company and, and move us forward. Yeah, because um, with all the art coming in now, they're moving. Yeah. Um, with the balancing that we've done, that's pretty much at its peak at the moment. Yeah. I'm going to start <clears throat> doing the lore. Yeah. And the editing and everything's already taken care of. It's just the fact of getting up and going, going. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's not just sitting idle. Like, we're all doing the same stuff we've been doing so far, just a little bit extra. Yeah. But... We just need to put that little bit of pep because you know it's right around the corner. Yeah. They're expecting something. So we got this. Like, I believe that we're going to be there just on time, if not a little bit sooner, if everybody is continuously hustling. You yeah. know what I mean? The, the, way I would, um, the way I would describe it is for, for the first set of time that we've been working and getting things done, we were focused on learning how to apply what we already know to what we're working on yes and the second phase which is basically where we're at now is us learning more about this company about this business putting the about, pieces together yeah, putting those pieces together and then as basically asking ourselves now what does that mean and then moving forward what steps do we have to take? What steps to move do we have forward? to take exactly? Um, and now that we have the majority of those steps in place, it's just it's just time. It's just us putting in the effort. It's us finding the people because we we can't move forward without investors. Which thank you guys for listening once again. Um, and we can't move forward without consumers. They are not exactly the same thing. There's a lot of overlap between the two. But we need to make both of them as happy as possible while not selling out and not resting against our morals or our ideals. And so far we've done that. Yeah. Um, I do think 
we're getting better every day. Well, yeah, we can only move up. You yeah. Know? Um, everyone is being utilized the best that they can be utilized. Um, and a couple of people are about to be attempting to be utilized even better. Um, we'll be able to get some real, some real movement done here soon. And as that, as the snowball falls into place, essentially, it's just going to roll and it's yep. going to build and it'll, it'll, it'll be great. Like I, I continue to talk about, Oh, this, this isn't hap or this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And I'm sure it probably starts to get a little, little tired at times, but it is coming. We, we are going to continue to work on this no matter what. This is what we want to do. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to take as much feedback and improve as much as possible. And so far, that, that's all anyone has asked of us. And that's as long as that continues to be the feedback, like, hey, this is this could use some work. This is this could use some work. And then thank us. Well, I guess the thank yous are appreciated, but not necessarily. But be appreciative of the fact that we're able to get it done and tell us when we're not able to get it done so we can try again. We can only succeed because everyone on everyone involved is really, really talented. You are very, very intelligent when it comes yeah. to games like this, games in general. Um, and you also have other skills that we can apply directly to, to the company, like writing, um, drawing, um, video recording. You're, you're great on this podcast. Oh, uh, thank you. You're welcome. I think, yeah, I think you're doing great. Um, I always end up running, I'm doing a lot of ums. I do most of the talking usually on the podcast right now, which I'm not a huge fan of. I think it's I think it's 90% my fault probably, but it's not a big deal. No, you're fine. Um, it, I think everyone still just kind of has to get used to it. The idea of like we're talking to an audience. And, um, but the thing is that's not going to be how we do it. From, from this point on, basically, it's going to be we're here and there happens to be a camera. Yeah, or the like, and we ha and there happens to be a mic. To touch a base back on what we were talking about, you got to think. Um, a couple weeks ago is when the last podcast came out, correct? Yeah. Look yeah, how much weeks. has already happened within those two weeks. How yeah. much has been accomplished? Mm -hmm. Like art has been coming in. Beautiful art, must I add? Like all the stuff looks beautiful. Like I can't find any kind of critique with it. Like the artists want us to find problems and. Like like Josh always says, it's too hard. They make it hard for us. Like, it's really good it, stuff. Yeah, it's getting to the point where I can't even nitpick. I basically um, so the last image that Matt gave me, I basically told him I was like this, but more, please. Like I was yeah. like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I want. This is great, but more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. He was like, oh, okay, yeah. It was, this is this is because they're submitting. They're submitting yeah. so much stuff, and I'm like. This stuff is really yeah, and solid getting and things. getting them organized um, the way that I did, so where that we can get content out more frequently. I think was probably the play. Um, I like having more stuff set to the side because we, as we saw, we ran out of the the pre recorded videos very quickly um, because I, I thought I was going to have more updates, but the progress was slower than I was hoping it was going to be, and because of that, I was able to learn that okay. Maybe it's best to set up something consistent and then give people as many surprises as possible and then just go from there. Because it, even if the conversation always ends up being the same where like we don't have any new information right now, but I'm here to answer any questions. This is what we have been doing. This is what we've learned. But this is what we've learned. This is what we're not going to do. Whatever, whatever it is that we have to talk about that week can come out when it's time instead of it instead of me trying to force myself to to work within that specific of a time frame when it comes to producing updates so obviously we still continue to have deadlines and we start to meet them more frequently but um we also need to be we need to have moderation in moderation just consistency right? yeah consistency but not to the point of burnout because with us being so new at this we attempted to take i attempted to take on a bunch of stuff all at once 
and so did a lot of the other team members and it it burnt it burnt quite a few people out very quickly yeah. and um now i don't think it's going to be as big of an issue because one they experienced the burnout because basically um i'm not going to name names because i don't know who wants to talk about this um but even when you're working on a passion project there you only have you can only work so far you only go so far but because it's a passion project you're most likely going to push yourself further more frequent so i had a bunch of stuff that um was very close to being finished that wasn't finished. So they basically pushed their pushed themselves to the 90% level and then pulled back and then went on to something else. True. And that's potentially great if someone else is there to finish your work when you're done, which we're trying to more or less set it up that way to where we you have we have one person do the character model and then uh, a sub artist would do the background and those two those two would be essentially assigned together so their their style is the same but um it's unique in comparison to everyone else um and that's just more in line with the multiverse but anyways um, the, the point that I was trying to ramble about is that we are still very early on and we're very responsive. So the, the fact that we're making mistakes now as early on as we are is actually probably better, better than later. Yes. Yeah, better than later because the people that we have aren't going to abandon us as they continuously remind us. Um, and as long as we improve every single time they see an issue like hey this is probably not that not that great objectively speaking or it could be this it could be better in these possible ways subjectively speaking um, then we take that advice and we try it because the worst the worst thing that happens is we we go back or we change again and I don't want to be the type of company that is afraid of going back uh, it's, sometimes it's better to take a couple steps back yeah. and look. Sometimes it's better to be like, okay, we, this was a mistake. Let's move back to where things weren't a mistake. Fix what we what we had, if it's fixable, or implement something new. And that seems to be the path that the most successful companies take. I was trying to be more reserved here in the beginning, but it's backfired. We're, we're not making the progress that we need to make. We're not making the progress that I want to make. Um because I, I do want this to to go in a particular direction. I have a particular path planned that I would like to take. And if we're able to take it, it, it will secure us for a very long time. It'll secure our investment, the, our investors' investments for a very long time. And it'll give us this all the space we need to, to essentially get to a point where it can be the scale that we want it to be. But it's still early. It's still very, very much... Um, new to everyone it's still very much a learning process for everyone um so yeah i mean i think everyone's doing great i I don't have a problem with any of the progress that people that people have made um and i i really see what we have coming as the pinnacle of what we could possibly produce yes i I, I would like to be able to say one day that we produced the best card game ever. I'd like to be able to say that we produced um, the best cryptocurrency that's related to a game ever. Um, but there's a very big chance that we will not be able to say that because people will come after us. And people have come in and, and laid incredible frameworks in front of us. But I do want to say that we produced the best thing that we could produce. Yes. And it's very important to me that we eventually get there. Despite I all feel like we will. Um, from all the card games I played, Collision Gate is in my top. Like it's just so fun. You strategize based on what you want to do, and it's not just strategizing on what you want to do. So it's not like you're doing a one-trick pony type of thing yeah. where you have to keep on doing the same move to win, like certain decks out there in certain games. Oddly but, enough, that term is over-centralization, which is the same problem that people have with with money. Yes. So. Um, over centralization it means that 
you focus you hyper focus on one particular aspect of either a mechanic or archetype and then you build around that yep. and it it changes the flow of the gameplay overall because of it mm. so um what's great about that is i wanted to keep that in mind because it also in lines well with our philosophy as a cryptocurrency because it's all about decentralization which is the idea of putting the power in the hands of multiple people so to translate that back to to game design i'm sorry i interrupted you oh no you're fine um, you're fine to translate that back to game design like i don't want a game where you go in with one plan and then can just execute it even in the event that you executing that plan is a back and forth plan like i do this they respond like this and then i do this they respond like this and then we get here and then i pull this off i don't want you to be able to do that i want you to in the middle have to make a decision on do i want to continue trying going this direction or do i left turn into trying to do it this way i want that to be the game that we build and then when game two starts when you go through that side deck uh you go through that side decking then you have an even different question to ask. What, how is my opponent responding to me and the strategy that I presented, and how can I respond to that? Because exactly. I don't want it to. Because side decking in Yu-Gi-Oh is, I need this to beat my opponent. Where in Collision Gate, side decking is, I need this to beat my opponent, and I need this to re to shift my strategy to a different one. Yes. Because that's what I think card games should be about. My strategy versus your strategy. Which one's better? Which one gets off? And that's what I was talking about is that um, you're not just playing your move. You have yeah. to play against what your opponent's move is. Because with the way our board is set up, you have the opportunity to see what your opponent is going to do or planning to do before they do it. So overextending can make or break the game. So it's always a ideal plan to keep your resources kind of. Like don't always like go for that same move that you use because it can become predictable. Because mm. if you're using the same move, what's well, saying the next guy next to you isn't doing the same thing. Yeah. So it could be really repetitive for a deck to keep on using the same strategy, but with our game, it's really not able to do that because every deck has a strength and a weakness, and necessarily that one trick won't work on every single deck. Mm -hmm. So it has you mix it up every single time. Exactly. And not only will it not necessarily work against that one particular deck, it may not work against that one particular deck in that situation. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I wanted to create a game that was more flexible because, well... It's hard to describe what I tried to do, and I do feel like I accomplished it. Which well, yeah, you it, made which, something great. So. It, yeah, um, I, I created a game that can be fine-tuned down to the atom, while also being able to be opened up to the multiverse. Yeah, you described that to me at one point. Yeah, I, I want it to be. I want it to be fine-tuned down to the very, very pinnacle of balance. Because that's what breaks the majority of games. Is There's no game balance. The lore's not that great. The gameplay isn't that great. So I want to create a game that when you put it up against another game, you at the very least have to say, oh no, it's as good but different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I don't think that Magic the Gathering players are going to come in and play and play Collision Gate and be like, this is hands down better than, than Magic the Gathering and these are the reasons why. I wouldn't do that. I don't think that I don't think that Collision Gate is hands down better than any card game that I've played because it has its own feel. It has its own feel to it. Yeah. It if niches are the goal, which I do believe that more and more frequently that seems to be a company's goal is to to find a niche and and trample it, everyone's going to fail. Because the thing is there are niches within niches within niches. And it continues to go down the scale until that. So attempting to capitalize on the entire market is impossible. So instead, ask yourself a question. Is my game as good as this game? Is my game as fun as this game? 
is my game as well handled as this game? All valid questions. Those should be the only questions that I, I mean, I'm a new game developer, so maybe I'll put my foot in my mouth one day. But I think the only questions that a game developer should ask themselves is, is it fun? Is it balanced? And would I play it? Truth. Like, putting all biased feelings aside, like, yeah. you put, put yourself all of your in the bi- shoes. Like, who cares if you have the best lore? Like, okay, let's talk about Elden Ring. Let's, let's, uh, so, who cares that George R.R. R. Martin um, wrote Elden Ring? If the story sucks. No one. If the story is terrible, no one cares who wrote it. But the story is great, truly great. The people that care about story are going to look up who that person is. But only some people. It's the thing. Like, I don't think the majority of our consumers know that I write everything that's on, on the website. Like, it's all written by me, and it's, it's handed over. And um, with that being said, like, I don't care if they know. Because even though I consider myself to be a writer first and foremost... My writing should stand on its own. You should be. You should look at my writing, and if you think it's good, it should be good. If yes. it's not good, you should be able to tell me why. That's 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 it. Yep. Unless unless your reasoning for it not being good is literally just I don't like the way that that it reads. I don't like the way that it makes me feel. Like there's definitely that. That's definitely a thing sometimes. But that's very infrequent. More often than not, the reason that you're unhappy with something is because you're unhappy with something specifically. Something put a sour taste in your mouth, and the rest of it fell apart. Yes. Um, with that in mind, we are on our we are in an hour now, um, so we will probably close this out, and we'll have Tyler back on the podcast very soon because, like having him over, it's a great Thank you. great Bye. opportunity to talk about the game, great opportunity to talk about progress, great opportunity to get a steal a little bit of your motivation (laughs) all right man uh thank you for coming on and uh hope everybody is excited to see what we create oh i'm pretty sure they will be based on my experience with it so far all right